Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. guys welcome back to the next level business podcast this is josh pathy here with shane mara we've got a special guest this is going to be a r-rated version it's going to be explicit. so if you have kids listening it's probably are you going to cuss a lot today josh is that what you're saying huh are you going to cuss a lot today is that what you're saying yeah we're going to get rowdy but we have a special guest today mr mike anderson from reliance mortgage one of the best mortgage companies in dallas my favorite the best the only the only one that can get the job done well, I didn't say we're the only one to get it done, but I can tell you this. If we can't get a mortgage loan done, then it can't be done. Exactly. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time today. Well, thank you. So why don't we kick off uh, telling us a little bit about, you know, how you got started? You know, how how was it growing up? What, what was life like? And uh, bring us back to where we are today. Well, I've been working ever since I was, hell, five, six years old. Uh, hustling money on the street, selling newspapers, you know, collecting Cokes, cans, bottles, all that sort of thing. And then my dad owned the company. So I worked for it since when I was about six, seven years old. But uh, I've always been in sales all my lifetime. I went, I went, I went after I graduated from high school, I went to college and got a, uh, a marketing degree from North Texas State University. Then I went in the real estate business. My dad owned a big company that I, I was going to inherit, but I didn't want to do it. It was an appliance company that dealt in parts and appliances. And I guess in 1963, 64, I resigned from the company and went in the real estate business because, quite frankly, I could make more money. I liked it better. And uh, so I was in the real estate business from 62, 63, up to maybe 85, 88, somewhere through there. And I was doing a lot of uh, basically what my what my uh, sales companies do. I was buying and selling houses. I was buying about 100 homes a month. And repairing them and selling them back then, that was fairly easy to do because all they needed was paint carpet. And that, that was about it. So you could repair a house. For, back in those days, for $2,000, I'm talking about paint, carpet, screens, the whole ball of wax. No, Nothing heavy major to be done to them. Just basically paint, carpet, cleanup. And uh, I started selling so many houses. And I decided to start a mortgage company primarily to control what I was doing. And when I fa- what I found out from a mortgage company, I could make a lot more money because I could do a lot more files and getting in the car and, and taking them out and showing people every Saturday and Sunday day and night. Cause I was working seven days a week, probably 12, 13 hours a day, which I didn't mind. What the money was good. I, I had no, I've never had a problem working. You know, I've never, it's never go, well, it's five o'clock. I got to go home today or I got to go. My wife's mad at me. I got to go. You know, I tell people this, you can always go get drunk. You can always go get laid. You can always go to a movie. You can always have a date, but you can't always fucking make money. And so when you, when you make enough money, trust me, all that stuff comes to you. You go to movies, you go to, you go to movie in Paris, you want to go to Paris. You know, so I'm not a big believer in, well, I got to do this. You know, it's, oh, my God, it's, it's lunchtime. I got to go eat lunch. You know, so I'm not, I'm not in, on any kind of Tom clock. If it, and I, I'll tell you this, that I, don't, I never leave my office. I just tell you some general things about me that I think make me a success and kind of make me a, different than a lot of people. I will never leave my office until I return every call. And if somebody calls me about a mortgage loan, and to me, I equate it to dollars. It's anywhere from three to $15,000 every call I get and every loan we close to the company. So that, that's a big deal to me. So if I get a call in from somebody 
that, that calls me on the phone and say, hey, Mike, I want to talk to you about a refinance or you referred to me or my CPA had me call you or my realtor had me call you, whatever the case may be. You know, and about half the time they call me because they can't get the loan anywhere else because they just don't have the, the, the bandwidth to do what, what I do. In any event, so that call means money to me. So I, I will take their number at home with me tonight, you know, and call them tonight because it's, it's money to me. And what does a phone call cost? Two or three minutes. You know, um, and, and not even that time sometimes. A lot of times you go to voicemail. Like I had a call uh, about 6.15 yesterday from my bank, one of my banks. I deal with a lot of banks. Said he had a guy who was a big developer that wants to refinance a $2 million home in a uh, nice server up in Dallas. And his name's Don. I'm not going to give his last name. So I called him last night. I called him on it. I called Bill back on the phone. The banker that referred to me got a cell number, called him on a cell, called him this morning on a cell and off number. And I hadn't got a hold of him, but most people would not do that. You know why? What they tell me, I've called him one time. I mean, like it's big, a big deal. I mean, it's like the finger's going to call if they call him, they call him again. I don't understand people. I, I, I personally think people, are, for the most part, are lazy and stupid. And I really, really, really believe that. I don't, I don't think they have a clue what the hell's going on in life. You know? Hey, do, I don't do, know. You, do you think a lot of that is generational? I mean, like your generation – Work their butts off, man. I mean, you guys were working at age five to ten. Yeah, you know, when I, mean, I was born in, in in 1943, when World War II was going on, men were really men. Do you think these kids today would go out and storm Iwo Jima? You really think they'd do that? Hell or, or, no. Or, or dive in one of these fighter planes at a at a carrier? The Japs were shooting nine nine million bullets of second atom. No, you know. So I don't think the 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 younger generation has the work ethics. I, I think they're spoiled generation. I, I think they're really spoiled. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. I don't, I'm not saying they're bad people. There are a lot of good kids out there, a lot of them. But these kids going out of college don't have a clue what this is all about. I mean, I, I don't even know what they're teaching them over there, but they don't have to teach them don't anything about business, which, in my opinion, is, is start out with hard work. How many people do y'all know that have ever made any big money that without working their butt off? There are, you hear about some people who got lucky on buying stock or doing this or doing that. But generally, the only way to make money in this country is work hard and work longer and get ahead. That's true. My opinion. Hey, and I'll throw in the customer service side. You know, you're talking about this younger generation. They don't know how to serve anybody. They, they, well, they don't know me, what you, that is like. They don't even want to call people on the phone, quite frankly. I've had a lot of them working for me. And with their, their method of is text and email. And I go, that's fine and dandy. And I text an email. Uh, but I, I would nine times out of 10, because you, you can hear people's inflection in their voice if they're mad or, you know, and, and people say something on a text or an email, they're not going to say it first to you. It's just, they're not going to do it. And I can express whether, whether I, I think they're full of BS, whether I think they're telling the truth or, I mean, I just want to feel for what they're looking, looking for. And if they're looking for something realistic, because I can tell you in, in my business in any business I've ever been a short nose better than a long nose. So if you call me on the phone and want to qualify for a mortgage loan, I need three or four basic things from you. I can tell you exactly what you can do. I need what your income is, what your credit score is, how long you've been on your job, what the purchase price is, and how much you're paying down. You know, and, and with those same things, once I get a credit report, I can run that the, the income. I can run the debt to income ratio. Then I can give you advice. You know, which way to go, whether it's FHA, VA, or conventional. Because in the mortgage business. They have what they call a debt to income ratio. And the debt to income ratio is decided by a computer that Fannie or Freddie or FHA or VA or whoever may have it, USDA's got it. 
So some 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 debt to income ratios will go to 43% debt to income. And when I when I say debt to income, it depends on what the the PIT on the house is. Let's say it's two thousand dollars a month. That's tax and insurance and everything rolling the house payment, plus your your uh, fixed debt, which is car payments, credit card payments, and that sort of thing, divided by your gross monthly income. So if you make ten thousand dollars a month, you can generally afford about a forty five hundred dollar a month house payment and other bill payments. That's about forty. That's what they call a debt to income. However, VA FHA will go to 55, 56% debt to income ratio, where say USDA, which is another government program, only goes to 43%. So it really depends on, on what you're coming from. So Shane, you could call me on the phone, or Josh could call me on the phone saying, I'm buying this price home. I want to do this. And a lot of mortgage companies will tell you after they run the ratios, your ratios do have, without thinking there's more ways to go than this one way to do it. So from a practical point of view, uh, you have to be able to talk to people and that and this stuff going back and forth on the on the emails and that sort of thing it doesn't it doesn't give me the information i need quickly enough so i really prefer to talk to people i really like to deal with people a lot more than talk to them i mean a lot more than communicating i will communicate by email but i still want to talk to them on the phone you know excuse me i'm gonna get a glass of water my throat feels <laughs> hey i'll interject right here so i was in the mortgage business for a long time. So Mike's been at it forever and I gave up. I threw my hands up in 07 and uh, we could see the beginning of the end. And I was, I got a chance to go on the banking side. And so uh, when I saw that opportunity, I grabbed it, but I can tell you one thing for sure. Banking is a hell of a lot easier than the mortgage side. The mortgage side, you're running day and night. You, you, you were running and gunning all day and there's so much stress on the mortgage side. And what makes it stressful is you've got a guy that's trying to move into his house on Friday at noon. He's got the moving trucks lined up mm-hmm. and he's got to sell his house too. So his house is the mortgage got the, the person buying his house has to get it done. And it's a generally a domino effect. You might have one, two, three uh, moves depending on one guy. So if you're that lender, there's a lot of pressure on you to make that thing happen by Friday at noon. And mm-hmm. so the stress I got so sick of the damn stress that I got out of the mortgage oh, it, business it, and I got on the commercial side. And and let me tell you something else, Shane, nobody gives a damn. Underwriting true. is way too tight. I mean, it, it's what they've gone way too far. You're, you're saying it's even worse today than it was back then? Oh, absolutely. Not even close. You know, we've actually had to, uh, when you're talking about doing these, these uh, disclosure statements, now you have to do what they call a three-day uh, disclosure before they close. If I've actually had to cut checks for one penny, I've actually received checks from title companies for nickel and dimes and quarters. Because that's the exact, and I don't think that the government ever tended to do that, but that's what they made of the rules. So yeah, it's no fun. It's frustrating. And the other thing is, it's hard to get good service because number one, the title companies are behind, appraisers are behind, underwriters are behind. This is up five times what it was two years ago. You know, that with, with low rates and with yeah. the sales being way up. So if, you, if you're expecting fast service, you just can't get anymore. And, and the majors don't give a damn. And uh, underwriting is slow. They're over-documenting everything. Well, you you can underwrite yourself, right, Mike? We underwrite. Well, the computer underwrites them. I mean, we, we put in computer. But I, I don't have an underwriter staff anymore. Uh, and, the, and the reason is I don't want to take the risk of it. Because they're, they're so tight with making these people buy loans back. So 
we underwrite the files here, pre-underwrite them, and then send them to, uh, to a major to, to uh, finish underwriting. Talk about the uh, the the mortgage business in 07 and what happened there and how many staff did you have to let go and then how many do you have today and what, what the environment like is then versus now? Well, I had about 150 people working for me uh, back then. We had officers in uh, 13 offices around the country. And we were doing a, a lot of business, a whole lot of business. We had three underwriters. And uh, when I was doing a, a radio show, and actually at one time that radio show went statewide and then nationwide. And it really didn't work nationwide because each state has got particular rules and particular problems with, with the real estate. What's going on in Denver may not be the same as what's going on in Houston or Dallas. In any event, uh, everybody was rocking and rolling. And back then they had what they called BNC loans. And they were loans where people save their income, have bad credit. Now, when I say bad credit, I'm talking about people who never paid anybody and get a hundred <laughs> get a hundred percent loan with state the income down and get all their closing costs paid. And of course and they would lie about that, right? That they would state they made 120 grand and they made oh, you know, absolutely like 20 grand. I mean, it was a joke. <laughs> I mean, and I used to say on the radio, and this is no no kidding. I said, if y'all want to make some money, short this stock because I'm telling you, it's going down the tubes. In my main office here in Dallas, I had a hundred and 40 people working for me and we had the top floor of a big building in Preston center and, and a part of the two other floors. And I had 16 people that all, that's all they did was that BNC stuff. I mean, and w they were doing stuff that just made no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, a cab driver in New York city, uh, buying a condo, a million and a half dollar condo in Florida as a second home <laughs> with no income check and crap and crummy credit. You know, paying 20% down and all of a sudden the 20% came from where, you know, it just came in. There's a, anyways, it's, it was a joke. So I used to tell people short the stock, you make a lot of money. I never got around to it myself. But then about 2008, somewhere in early 2008, uh, we were selling, well, in fact, at one time we were, we, we sold the most favorite countrywide, which is the largest mortgage company in the United States back then. Countrywide was a huge player back then. We were selling them probably three, four hundred million dollars worth of paper a month, just that one company. And uh, they got in financial trouble. Then Indymac got in financial trouble. Then uh, a lot of big banks, a lot, a lot of big mortgage companies got in trouble. And so the banks that I had lines of credit, we had a, a lot, a lot of warehouse lines of credit. And the warehouse line of credits were we get you approved for a mortgage loan, and we approve it because we were underwriting a file. We send it to closing our bank funds and then we sell it off to Fannie or Freddie or, or a lender down the road. So the banks that we were having these lines of credit with, which were three fairly big banks, all substantial banks, uh, got jumpy when when they thought you wasn't going to be able to sell loans because the countrywide was taken over by B of A. The banks cut them off and said, look, we not, we're not sure you can sell these notes, you know, that you've already funded. And then when Indymac went down, all the rest of these guns went down, all the banks just cut us off. For, I mean, for no reason. Within two weeks' time, I, every line of credit I had, and we had good credit, money in the bank. They had no problems with anything uh, other than regular routine problems. By the time the, 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 uh, that was done, I, they, I was out of business. I couldn't find any loans. And, you know, a year later, when it was started, things started to turn around. And even back then, I don't know, Shane, if you remember this, but you couldn't even hardly get a jumbo loan. They were just, they, they were just almost, un, you, uh, you couldn't find them anywhere. Everybody was scared of the market, whether you could securitize them. Yeah, so, that, that's true. It, 
it was a pretty tough deal out there. And so we I downsized quite a bit and went down from 140 employees to four or five people and just started wow. building back up. It took me a while to get it built back up because none of the banks wanted to, wanted to give you lines of credit. And then, you know, it, it gradually opened up back up. So now we're back up and running, but I don't ever want that big a company. It's too much hassle. And how, plus, how much, how many do you have now? How many employees do you have today? 10. 10. 10. And, and that's, that's all you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm in a lot of other things. I'm in the real estate business. I'm in the building business. I build houses. I do all kinds of stuff. No, 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 no money. Okay, so you that you know this this podcast is all about real estate. It's about business. It's about stocks. Which of the three do you enjoy the most? Real estate because I know it the best. I mean, stock market. I mean, I, if you're a player and you know what you're doing, and I just feel like the stock market is, is a little bit out of your hand. I mean, it it really is. I think there's a lot of luck involved. That I think the smarter you are, the better are you all. But for the last two or three years, people have been in the stock market and made a lot of money. Hell, I mean, any, a, a fool could make money in this market. Uh, but I just never did being a big player in the stock market. I've got my wife and I've got um, quite a bit of stock. Uh, this heap for liquidity and she plays around with it, makes a little bit of money here and there. But the reason I like real estate better uh, is because I know, I, I think I know what I'm doing. And I, I think that no matter if you buy real estate, no matter what happens, even if it goes down a little bit, which it does occasionally, very occasionally in Texas, uh, then it's going to come back. So, uh, and then it's just a market I know. I, I just feel safe with it. And I've made good money doing it, particularly in the last two or three years. Right now, the market is so hot. I've, I've been doing this since I was 23 years old. So for 45, 50 years, 55 years, actually, I've never seen the market this hot. I've never seen prices go up the way they're going up. I've never seen demand for real estate. I mean, when prices went up in Dallas in, in the Metroplex last year, by 26% from May to May, went up 26% if you can believe that. You know, so it doesn't take an idiot to make to be a smart guy in the real estate market. If you're buying anything right now, you're buying it right, it's going to go up in value. I, I don't care whether you talk about land. I don't care whether you talk about high-dollar homes, low-dollar homes. Uh, I, I'm building about 125 affordable or value homes that are anywhere from 225 to 300000 on average, 15, 1,800-square-foot homes. Uh, and out of those 125 we're building right now, 122 of them are sold. And we've raised the price wow. $10,000 a month every month for the last four months and then slowed that business down at all because of the price of lumber and everything going up. Then I've built them high-end stuff in Highland Park and University Park in Preston Hollow. And that stuff's going just fast. So uh, we just sold up. I just uh, sold a home. I didn't sell it to real estate. Things. I don't, I, and I don't know anything about building. I'm just... I look at plans. I put the money up for them, and I build them and have builders that I know what they're doing. But if you ask me if I could build a home, no, you wouldn't want me to build a home. That would be a bad idea. But I do know how to how to finance them and how to sell them. You know. So but, do you? Does your portfolio consist of anything you hold, or are you just mostly a builder right now? I'm not in any hold right now. And the reason that is because I'm 77 years old. I don't need income 10 years down the road. I want the money now. I got you. No, I'm not. I do own a, an RV park. That that I may keep long term because it's cash flowing pretty well, but it's not my gig. No, I'm I'm, I'm going to get them up, making money, and then I'm going to sell them off for for a cap rate. All right, Mike. So you I want to talk about age or, or Josh's age. I may want to hold something. No, no, not my age. I want to talk about Josh's deal. So, uh, you know, we 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 celebrate Josh's first commercial real estate deal that he got. You know, a couple years back, and you were the guy that made that thing happen. And when he shares the story, the bank turned him down 
And Mike, Josh, you want to finish that story? <laughs> Mike, remember that deal? Oh yeah, I remember the home bank finances. Yeah. Well, the original deal, yeah. But you know, there. Well, go ahead and tell your story, Josh, and I'll tell you what I think about it. Oh no, I mean, it's a, we already covered it. Go ahead and tell me. I mean, it's a, we covered it in for earlier episode. Well, there again, you know, we're talking about mortgage companies and, and choices of where you can go to a mortgage company. It's the same with banks. Let me say this. There's a lot of banks that are going to turn those down because Josh had not been in, in business for a long time. He had good credit and fairly good income, uh, but he was buying a building. And I think he'd been to two or three other banks. I'm not sure how many banks. And uh, a guy named Mike Gall and Willard I've been dealing with forever referred you to me, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that right? Yeah. Okay. So in any event... Uh, there are certain banks that you can deal with. I, I probably deal with routinely 20 banks a month, different banks a month for different things. And bank A or bank B or bank C may not like a loan. They may not have a box for it, but bank D will. So it's not just what you know, it's who you know in a lot of cases. So in Josh's case, it made a lot of sense. It was an owner-occupied building, which uh, banks like a lot of owner-occupied buildings where it's, where it's not invested. Their actual business is going to be there. And that's what his, his business is going to be there. Uh, it was it was relatively inexpensive. I say relatively expensive. There was, as I recall, six seven hundred thousand dollars. May have been different. That was quite a bit quite a while ago. And he was putting twenty uh, percent uh, down on it. It was a, a building, so we got the loan approved and it closed. Uh, and it was a little difficult, but I made a point on the thing, so I wouldn't. I was happy with it, uh, you know. And, and that got got Josh started. But everybody has to have to start somewhere. So that's what I was telling you back, Shane. What, when, if I've got a loan that you want, a commercial loan or a residential loan or whatever it is, if, there, there's a lot of boxes out there that, that you can fill those loans with. So, you know, what I'm saying is that we just don't have one box you fit a loan. And we probably sell off to 15 different mortgage companies all the way from bank statement loans to asset depletion loans to uh, 1099 income to no income whatsoever. You know, so... And it's the and same thing. Bank. Bank. If you're doing a commercial loan or any other kind of loan, you got to know where to spend it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what I love being a banker. I was a banker. For, I, I got out of the commercial lending business, got into the banking world. And I love helping people get started, right? Like Josh. I was actually talking to a, a customer of mine yesterday, and he's incredibly successful now, multimillionaire. And he actually Not, brought up Martin. He works hard though. Yeah. He, he brought up the, the original loan that I gave him, you know, 10 years prior. And he goes, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for you. So I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you giving me a chance, you know? And, and, you know, thinking back, it was so long ago. I'm like, it, it seems like he would, he would have got there anyway. Right. Without me, he'd have figured somebody else yeah, that, yeah, that would have made that happen, but it felt so good, man. That's what we're put here to do. You know, we're put here to help people. We're put here to, you know, to serve any way we can. It's, That's what makes us feel good, man. Outside of making money. It's it, one of my biggest assets and one of my biggest defaults. And I, I trust a lot of people that I get not treated right financially by a lot of people, but I'd rather be the way I am than, than not to ever trust anybody. And I really enjoy helping people. And that's no kidding. I, a lot of people say that, but they don't mean, that doesn't mean a damn thing when it comes to actual, actually what you do in life. But I really enjoy helping people. And, and quite frankly, I'll tell you what's kind of weird, and I'm sure you ran in the same thing, Shane. When you're in the mortgage business, somebody buying a million and a half dollar home that's that's uh think they they they, they think they deserve it, entitled to it. You know, they they've had two or three homes. 
and then some other uh, little spatty guy or whatever the case may be causing the phone and buying a hundred fifty thousand dollar home and i get off on helping those guys because they're so happy i mean it's, it's like it's a dream come through for them to own a home where a guy buying a million dollar home goes oh well i know you can get this done it's no no big deal you know it's not it's not that i don't i don't, I don't deal with both parties but it's just fun to help people get homes, and particularly when they're first-time home buyers that never had a home before, and that's sure. a big deal to a lot of people. Yeah, All right, so, so go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was going to say. So, Mike, uh, you know, we do have a big following here in Dallas, Texas. Now, do you fund loans outside of Dallas, or are you primarily focused? All over Texas. We used to be nationwide, but but, but uh, when the uh, after the mortgage developed in two thousand eight, nine, and ten, yeah. I just shut all those operations down. Okay. Yeah. So and we got enough here in Dallas. I've got enough you know, on, on our pipe where we're busy all the time with, yeah. with ancestors and that sort of thing. And you, yeah. So you brag a little bit about your company, you know, people can reach out to you first time home buyers. We say on the radio all the time. And I really mean, it's true that if we can't get a mortgage loan, it can't be done because we do have all those banks. For example, uh, jumbo loans, let's take a jumbo loan. Most of the mortgage lenders want a 700 credit score, 720, 740. Some will go down to 680. Some will go down to 660, depending on the rates and loans of values. But if you're if you're a jumbo buyer with a 625 credit score, there's there's no hardly anywhere to run with it. I mean, the lenders just don't want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and credit is a big issue in mortgage lending. I'm, I mean, it's a, it's a big issue is is uh, debt to income ratio ratios, jobs ability, and that sort of thing. In any event. So if, if you're that type of customer, you put 20, 25% down on it, you can't get a loan. People don't even want to talk to you. Or let's say that you are, are self-employed and you report a lot of your income. And, and that's typically, I can, I can tell you this, 95% of the small businesses don't report near their income. And I, I believe that's, I, I know that's a fact. So we do a lot of loans where you give us bank statements for your, your business bank statements. And we, we get those loans approved with 10% down. Uh, we do asset depletion loans. We do bad credit loans. In fact, we carry a lot of paper ourselves that investors put the money up. If you just had a bankruptcy or foreclosure, you're not going to get a loan from anybody. I don't care who it is. Well, we'll make that loan as long as you put 25% down. You want to pay a, a 10 or 11% rate, two or three points, and we'll get that loan sold off to an investor and service it. So unless people get started again, but we do reverse mortgage. We do interim construction loans. We do lot loans. We do uh, HELOC loans. We do FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo. It, we we all we offer more variety of products than any more company in Dallas, and I can guarantee that's a fact. So and you do, you do commercial loans too. Um, I do smaller commercial loans, like if they're in the two million dollar range or lower three million dollar range. I do them, but it's not my long suit. And so if I get a, a if it's something like an owner occupied building where a doctor buys it or somebody's buys it, or you know, there's something I I can understand what they're doing. But if it's a big apartment loan a big complex deal or a, a big billing loan. I refer it out to people that can do a better job because I really feel like I, I can't do the service. So it depends on the, the complexity of the loan, but if it's a real complex loan that uh, needs a lot more expertise than what I can offer, I'm not going to take that loan and screw it up. I'll refer it out and get a small referral fee. That's not the reason I do it. It's just to give people the service. So if it's real, what I call unsophisticated commercial loan, I'll do it. If it's real sophisticated, I won't do it and I'll refer it out. I just don't feel I can do the job right. And, uh, you know, we don't bring anybody on the show who we don't trust or we haven't used ourselves. I've personally done, you know, probably 10 loans through, through Mike and his company. And, 
you know, they get the job done. And I've been denied by, by other banks. So uh, we use Mike. He's helping me uh, finance a, a lot that we just purchased. He's helping me build a house, uh, helped me buy the last house and the house before that we finance. And so. Yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're, you're still trying to get that equipment loan. Have you got that, that paperwork to the bank? Yeah, uh, today I'm getting it sent out. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta have it's about who you know, you know, to get started. It's not about you know what you know uh, always, but um, you know, Mike's a great example of that. And uh, as we wrap up, Mike, Josh, in in your particular case, you got good income and good credit. I mean, you're and you work hard. I mean, you've done an amazing job with your company. So it's is quite quite frankly, it's fun helping people like you. And well, you know that it is fun. Thank you, I appreciate that. And Mike just signed up for website services, so I'm going to be taking over his website and bringing in more leads. And I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm not throwing money out of the window, but I don't think I am with you, Josh. I don't think you need to do anything. <laughs> hey, you know, I get the job done just like you. And it's not my long suit. Trust me, it's not my technology. Is not my long suit. I don't even use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, I want to talk about your radio show. You've done that how many years now? Um. 17, 18 in the last 28 years, 27 years. Okay. That's, a long, that's a long time to have a show. What, what, what's that like having a show that long? Is that you do it's that in really your sleep now? Fun. It's really kind of funny. It, uh, believe it or not, that show, when it was on from 11, to, to, it's on CBS here in Dallas or KRLD. And it, it had a, which is not a huge, huge station anymore. It, it's more of a business station, you know, uh, sports weather. Uh, news, that sort of thing. It doesn't have, it doesn't play music, so it's got a different type of listener than a lot of the stations that are hip hop stations or, or country western stations, whatever it may be. But it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's uh, the, my host on the show with me is a what I call straight man Chuck Dennis, who's been a, a, a mortgage pager for fifty years, sixty years, owns, a, owns one of the biggest appraisal uh, companies in the nation, and he's also a professor at SMU. But he's got a great wit, great personality. He's sharp on the phone. Uh, does his homework. Knows what all the statistics are, what the houses are going up in value, et cetera. But what they're doing in every state and every region. I mean, so he's very good. And they they, we, they call in the show. It's a call-in show. It's not a – we take texts and call-ins. So uh, – and it's not as good as it used to be. I don't think as many people are listening to the radio as it used to be. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not. It's all uh, about podcasts now, Mikey. That's why we got yeah, you. Yeah, particularly the younger people. Uh, but when that show first went on the air for the first 15, 20 years, from the minute we, we were on the air till the end, we had probably 50, 60 calls an hour coming in and half of them wanted to do business with us. So we were actually open on Saturday, all Saturday to take applications from those things. Uh, and it was very profitable. It was a lot of fun. Both now it, it may break even. It's expensive to do that. So that show. Hey. I remember listening to you many Saturdays. I'd be rolling around in the car and then yeah. turn on to Mike Anderson. Yeah, it was fun. So it's cool having but, you on the show. Wow. I didn't and, know we, and we do know what we're talking about. We don't get bad information on the phone. And no, not I, at all. Companies, I've, I'm, fortunately, I've owned two or three title companies in my lifetime. I've built homes. I've done development. There, there aren't anything in real estate that I haven't done. I've owned apartments and everything. So if you call in with a question, it's pretty hard for me not to know uh, just off the top of my head the answer. In fact, in the 20 years or so, plus or minus, we've been doing that show. I don't think that I've had more than three calls. I didn't know the answer dead on like that without looking it up. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm not hey, I want- to change the fact. 
I want to ask one last thing. We've got inflation. I, I know you probably get questions about this on the show from time to time. We've got inflation eroding the dollar. We hear a lot of smart people talking about how do we protect against the dollar. What What are your thoughts there you on go, that? Man. There, there you go, saying that the United States is smart people. I don't think they're already more. It's what I was saying when I first got in the air, that I think when that when the pandemic hit, they also opened up a stupid bomb. Because, and, and I don't mean people are just dumb, dumb, dumb that way. I mean, they don't know what the hell's going on. For example, this, this national debt we're running up is insane. Uh, all this money they're paying out for all these benefits is insane, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and uh, the average American doesn't even have a clue what, what the debt is or what, what's going on. But that, that, that debt they're rolling off, all that money they're printing has to be paid back. And the interest, and the interest has got to be paid on. So I think we're burying ourselves a hole in the long run. The short term right now, with the market the way it is, and I think the government is actually holding interest rates down. I know they're holding it down artificially. They're holding these rates down artificially so it stimulates the economy for the economy to get back on its feet. But uh, the truth of the matter is that rates have been historically low for the last two or three years. And I'm talking about, I just quoted the guy on a 10-year note, 2.375, a fix for 10 years, 15-year notes for 2.625, 30s or depending on what's happened on you're doing or, or lower than 3%. And you just can't rent over a 30 year period. Would you loan money at 2.75%? Hell no. That? No, I wouldn't either. So <laughs> I think they're artificially holding it down and inflation is definitely coming back. The price of building houses has gone up. Well, lumber is more than double in the last year. It's hard to get concrete. It's hard to get uh, shingles, wood. I don't care what appliances. I don't care what it is. You have to wait for it. And they've gone up a lot in cost. So you've had a, this huge appreciation in what it costs to build houses, the cost of the stuff going up, and it hasn't slowed anything down. So I do think that they're going to have to raise the rates to fight inflation, and I think when that happens, it's going to it's going to hurt the market. But right now, and it's not just what I think, because I really don't know what's going on. It, it makes no sense to me for somebody to buy a house a year ago that pay three hundred thousand dollars for it. Now, now this year it's worth four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. And there's 25 people lined up to buy. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I know. It's, I wish I had 10 of those. It's great if you're a seller. It's bad if you're a buyer. That's right. I get calls all the time on the on the show that, you know, hey, Mike, should I buy a house right now or wait? And you know, I thought about that question a lot. A lot of people think the rates, the the the, the uh, price are going to come down. I don't particularly believe that. I think they're going to level off, but I don't think they're going to go up as much as they have, but I don't think they're going to come down. If they come down to maybe 5%, it's not going to be any huge drop. And so I tell people, look, if I were you and I were going to buy a house in the next two years, I'd buy it now for two reasons. Number one, the price is still going up. If you can even find a house, and number two, the rates are still low. But if you ask me, well, Mike, I want the best deal I can, I'd say it's not a good time to buy. So there's a lot of people that want to sell their homes, and I ask them, where, where are you going? They go, that's the problem, Mike. We sell, buy high, or sell high, buy high. Sell low, buy low. It's just, it's just the way it's always been. So, yep. uh, Shane, I don't really know where the market's going. However, I think it's going to be strong for the next two years. And after that, I don't know. And then you've got the added benefit of so many people moving from California to Texas, New York, Chicago, people like that moving in from Texas. And the price here is still relatively low. But when we went on the air, the average uh, median price of uh, homes in Dallas was uh, $82,000. When we went on the air, the average rate at that time, interest rate was eight was over 8%. It was like 8.5%. Today, 
the average home in Dallas is $342,000 and the Metroplex $342,000 and the average rate's around 3%. So it's a lot has changed since then. Been around a long time. <laughs> well, you get a lot of energy, man. We appreciate you being like on the it. show. Well, let's do it next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Again, Josh? I'm sorry? When do you want to do this again? Yeah, we can we can get you back on for sure. We'll get we'll get with uh, I'll get with Brandon and we'll schedule you back in. All right, thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for uh, uh, listening, guys. Next level business podcast. If you want to reach Mike and his company, head over to Reliance Mortgage. Just type it into Google. Two one four three six zero nine thousand. That's two one four three six zero nine thousand. There you go. All right, Mikey. Thank you so much. Take care. Make sure to like, leave a comment, and uh, subscribe. We'll see you next time on the Next Level Business Podcast.